Hello everybody, welcome to Nintendo Expression Pass here on Boss Rush Network. I'm your host, the Enlightened Sighted Eddie V. Joining me is Bossman himself, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hello, Ed. How are you? Hello, it's been a while. <laughs> in, in a sense. Uh, yeah, it's been a we... whole 15 minutes, Ed. <laughs> I'm talking about recording some other things. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh yeah. Ed's uh, off this weekend, so we're kind of jam-packing some stuff in. Uh, so yes. Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> it's Get ready. 1230 at night. <laughs> Get ready for some fun feel episodes? Question mark? Oh, well. Um, today, everybody, we're going to be talking to, uh, giving our little uh, bit of impressions of the Splatoon Switch OLED that was announced. And we're going to be diving into... Nintendo maybe returning to E3. What does that look like for the uh, for the company? Um, but Corey, this Nintendo Splatoon Switch OLED. Yeah, Thoughts? it's it's a it's a pretty console. I think uh, if you don't have an OLED and you're a fan of Splatoon, this is uh, this is a pretty it's a pretty good looking console i really like the design of the dock i really like the joy cons i think the the plating on the back of the switch itself is really cool like it's it's got that very faint kind of splatoon design very iconic yes. squid figures so yeah i mean i'm all about it i'm i love the pro controller too i'm gonna i think i'm gonna get the pro controller uh because i a i need a fourth one and I've been eyeing the Splatoon 2 one for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I already have a pink one with the Xenoblade controller. Same. So I think like the blue and yellow one would be a nice kind of tone change uh, for that. Uh, so I'm not going to get the console, obviously, because I already have an OLED switch. I'm not going to buy another one. Although, right. you know, I would if I was single and didn't have any children i would probably have like all the different kinds of special editions but (laughs) also would be poor uh but if i didn't have an oled i would highly consider getting this one it's 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 really cool looking yes i i may buy the oled for my nephew for his birthday Mm -hmm. um because his switch uh his original switch has went kaput Mm -hmm. um i know they want to use mines for the time being um and i just gotta just take some stuff off and charge it up and give it to him um yeah. but i think i'm like you know you might as well get the upgrade version of it and with the splatoon one you know you got it, it doesn't come with the game uh it's just the system itself yeah. uh with the with the joy cons and stuff mm-hmm. um it does come I, with the game it comes, it, with the digital, it comes with the digital version it's six it's 360 dollars Oh, okay. I was I was wondering because someone said that they, it didn't come with the game. Like, unless they're selling it separately, like unless they're selling two SKUs of it, but I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, they should. I don't know. Let me let me let me find out real quick actually now because now I'm confused because I swear I saw a three hundred and sixty dollar. Unless yeah, I. Um, unless somebody was selling a bundle, like selling it as a bundle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Nintendo Life right now. They're usually pretty good. Uh, the uh, Switch. Okay, so that's that right now. Um, 
it looks like uh in the UK they're selling the bundle for 330 euros pounds quid whatever you're calling them uh so yeah and it's bundled with Splatoon 3 so it it looks like oh. it looks like they are um oh they're selling it looks like they're selling one without it also Hmm. Maybe they're selling. Maybe they're doing both. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I think that would be a great choice. I don't see why you wouldn't. They also like revealed the switch carrying case. Like the, they have a couple different colors of carrying case for it. They have yeah. Like, but it like the the cover of the case. Like, let me grab mine here. Um, like this front part is the it matches the dock and the switch uh plating like it has the splatoon kind of logos and cartoon kind of stuff on it like this part of it but then like the zipper yeah. the black zipper part that you see on mine i know this is great for an audio podcast but uh the black zipper part here they're selling a neon yellow one and a purplish blue one that matches the joy cons so uh that's cool I really like the case, uh, except I'm a, I'm a 35 year old man, and I don't think carrying around this neon yellow case would be very appealing in public. Uh, but I, I'm afraid to see your old man, and I will <laughs> carry the case. Yeah. So I mean, I I really like the Joy Cons though because the back, the like the front, like that it's translucent. Like the colors are translucent, yes. which is cool, and the Joy Cons are semi-translucent, so. You can kind of see through them. Like the back is this cl- clear white kind of color. The front obviously is the neon yellow and the neon purplish color. Uh, I I really like it. If I didn't have an OLED already, I would highly consider getting this version. I yeah, really love I- the dock too. I love the dock is really nice. I yeah. really love the dock because it has like that. It has like a ink splatter on the front of it. That neon yellow. Yeah, uh, and like all the road signs and the cartoons, also. Man, Splatoon! I ca- I should go back and finish Splatoon 2's campaign because I never did, and Splatoon is always fun when you play. It's like, you know how you kind of have like a list of games that you're like, every time you play, you're like, oh my gosh, that was so much fun! Why don't I play this more? And then you forget about it for like six months. Yes. Splatoon is definitely one of those games for me where it's like every time I play it, I have so much fun. And then I just forget about it, you know. Well, I think it's just you. You have that, um, and I do this. Do this too. So I think it's just that at that moment in time, we're enjoying this like game that we probably play multiple times, and it just feels like you know it's comforting. It's just a you know something for us to do. Uh, until you know, we like go oh, up the next game, or I need to move on, or you know, you get to that mood that you don't feel like playing it, and you go on to something else. It's like it happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. Like I have Splatoon two still is still in the case, like still like literally in a box wrapped up because I got it on a good sale. And I'm just like I need to start this game. Yeah. I mean, the campaign, like, for those who haven't played Splatoon and are big fans of Mario uh, Sunshine, this is 
Splatoon is pr essentially the spiritual successor to Super Mario Sunshine, I feel like, in yes. a lot of ways. It's got great platforming. Uh, you're, I mean, it's designed as a third-person shooter, but it still has kind of like this shooting mechanics from Mario Odyssey or Mario Sunshine. Uh, you know, I I feel like people who enjoy that game will definitely enjoy this. The boss battles are essentially big Mario bosses. Like they're super cool and well designed. Like I don't know, man. I always forget. I always forget about uh, Splatoon, and I now I've been kind of wanting to play it for a little bit. Yeah, it's it it's a I I think it's such a fun multiplayer game. Um, because definitely when the first one came out on Wii U, I was playing it day, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, playing with, you know, different people in Japan, different, uh, cities Gosh. in America. Japanese like, people are so good at this game, by the way. <laughs> so good. Like, just, yeah. So and good. And I, I think I love the premise of it, uh, of Splatoon. It's just like, it's more about coloring the area than it is attacking people. Yeah. I mean, attacking other players. Yes, you're attacking other players, but that doesn't do nothing for you. Right. Because if you just like ending us, then we got someone who is rolling around covering more paint mm -hmm. and everything. You know, it's about covering the area than it is, you know, stopping your opponent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, Nintendo's way of easing people into shooters, but it's also a very competent and very fun shooter. Um, I mean, it does the Nintendo thing where, you know, it makes everybody feel like they can accomplish something. Uh, it actually, like, reminds me of... Not in the in a gameplay mechanic sense or anything, but it kind of mm -hmm. reminds me a little bit of Overwatch in that way, where like, okay, you can't, you're not great at like killing people, right? You're not great at, you know, getting the headshot or, you know, getting the, uh, taking out two or three people at the same time, right? But you can still contribute, right? And Overwatch has that, a mechanic, you know, that great mechanic where you have, uh, you know, you have your DPS characters you have your healers you have your tanks uh splatoon kind of has that in a different sense in terms of what weapons you pick right where mm -hmm. yeah you can have the dualies you can have the the you know uh i guess in terms of destiny sense like a scout rifle or a pulse rifle like a burst rifle type weapon or you can go in with a paint roller and cover ground instead of being the person that goes in and, and kind of tries to take out the other team, or you can uh, use the, like the bombs, right? Like the, the splatter bombs, which are cover a lot of area. Uh, and I really like how the game focuses on the area coverage as opposed to like killing people because it, it kind of teaches people how to play objective based modes in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, with, that appear in other games. Uh, instead of just, you know, what's my KD ratio, you know, if you want that, go play Call of Duty, I guess. But uh, I really like Splatoon in that aspect, and I know a lot of people we know have been playing Splatoon uh, over the course of the last month or two, right? Like, I, I've, I've seen Grayson kind of post screenshots on Twitter. Uh, I know he's in the Monster Hunter right now, but before Sunbreak came out, he was 
posting some Splatoon stuff. Uh, yes. And a few other people that we know have been posting Splatoon stuff. So, yeah, I mean, love it. Love me some Splatoon when I remember that it exists. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think it's just such a cool... It's a, just a cool gang. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very artistic and stylish, you know, with all, with the color combinations uh, popping and everything. And it's just like, like you said, it's easier for everyone to get in. And this Switch edition um, represents that. And, like, the Pro Controller, dude, this would literally be my fifth Pro Controller. So I got the, I got the Xenoblade. I got the uh, Monster Hunter one that came out when uh, Monster Hunter Rise dropped. Um, I got the Monster Hunter Sunbreak Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got a plain new uh, Pro Controller. And then I want to pick up this uh, Splatoon one. Um, which is weird that Xenoblade 3 didn't get one. I mean, I guess... I don't know. I'm surprised that Nintendo doesn't put out more special edition pro controllers. This It shocks me. Yes. Like, yes. even if it's not, like, game-related, just colored ones. You know, like a blue one or a red one or, you know, like a... Every every color of Joy-Con should have a, a equal pro controller, I feel like. I wonder if it's because of that Wire A brand. I mean, the oh, the Power A? Like, they're Power kind of, A. That yeah weird licensed third party can I maybe but also like I don't know I wonder if they've had plans for more and they just couldn't figure out how to do it with like supply shortages or something uh-huh. uh but yeah man like I'm I'm just I'm shocked there's not like a Mario one or a Zelda one or you know I mean I know we got the Zelda Joy Cons or whatever which I am using on my Switch right now. I'm always hesitant to use those, by the way, because I don't want the Triforce to rub off or like the Joy Cons yeah. to get uh, stiff or anything, or like the uh, <laughs> like the triggers to be unclicky. Uh, but I like the way they look on there. So, uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm kind of shocked that we didn't get more Pro controllers. I I kind of want. The one I kind of want is the Smash one because it's white and it matches, but it's also like yes. one hundred twenty dollars. Oh no! Right now, I, th- I think that's why. I I think that's why I like Xbox, uh, the, like the Series X and even the Xbox mm-hmm. One controllers. Like when they do special editions, they are really nice controllers. Like, well, they're not even that, but so they have. But they have the Design Lab as well, which yes. you can kind of do whatever you want there, which is awesome. Uh so I mean I, I I don't expect Nintendo to go that far. Oh no! But I mean even even Sony has started putting out colored controllers, and it's like man, I the Switch is so popular and so unique. It's like man, I just I wish there was more. Not customization. What's what's the word? The ability to like express what kind of gamer you are. You know. Yeah. And I get that the Joy Cons are that way, and the Switch lights are kind of moving in that direction with the different colors and stuff. But like, I don't know. I, I, you know me, if I can play on the TV, I'm playing on the TV. Yes. And I would just love like a fresh blue pro controller, but I guess I'll just have to settle for the Splatoon one. 
I I want a full yellow. Like I oh like the banana yellow N sixty four controller that came with Donkey Kong, <laughs> which I yeah. found like so. My big project the other day or the past like week and a half was to reorganize everything. Uh huh. And man, just going down memory lane again was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. Just to, I I hope someday I'm gonna be able to display and kind of just have all this stuff sitting out just to look at, you know, and not just shoved in a box downstairs. Uh, but I found my atomic purple and my, and my banana yellow N64 controllers, which are the controllers that I use the most. And nice. it just, it just was like, man, even, even GameCube had like that nasty <gasps> orange color controller, which I have. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have that, remember the really rare white one that they released? Yes. I have that downstairs. I actually brought it up. It's actually in my cabinet down here because, uh, you know, I have the smash uh, thing that you plug your GameCube controllers into. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe someday <laughs> I'll play some smash. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe someday we'll get GameCube games on the Switch and I will play with my GameCube controller. <sighs> Uh, just, just wait. Of that, ha- I was uh, talking to Austin, and I was just like, "If GameCube comes to Switch, that expansion pass subscription is going to jump." And I don't I think said, so. I don't. They can't go any higher than fifty dollars. Oh no, no, I wasn't talking about price. I'm talking about people getting oh, it. getting it. Okay, yeah. I also like them selling wireless GameCube controllers or WaveBirds on the on the switch store dude you think the n64 controllers are hard to get better better have like 75 tabs open on your okay for for the gamecube ones because they are going to disappear (laughs) yeah so by the way i bought two n64 controllers and the nintendo store won't let me buy anymore (laughs) i don't know if that like the limit is just two or if like it's two at a time and it just doesn't realize that uh, they messed up or something, but man, I I think it's just two. But what about the four player games, Ed? What if I actually have four people in my house? That's funny. I'm just not, Oh man, I have no friends. Um, but anyways, yeah. Uh, back to Splatoon. Like, I think that pro controller, I'm getting that pro controller. It's so cool. looking. Um, it's so, so cool yeah i've i've been like really trying to focus on the nintendo side of my gaming library recently because i feel like i'm not if if i'm gonna be on a console specific show like nintendo power block i need to commit you know not mm-hmm. saying that like i'm not playing other games on my xbox or whatever but like i feel like i've been doing this show and myself a disservice by not committing or playing enough games on that console. So like I've been really aiming to build up my physical library. First of all, again, yeah. Uh, which by the way, Shimagami Tensei five, I got physically and Mario plus rabbits. I got physically recently. How did you have Mario rabbits physical? <coughs> I did, but I, I forget what... Oh, I 
gave it to my nephews because they wanted a new game to play. And uh, I just let them have it because I had it physically, and I know it's like $5 on Amazon all the time. Uh, so, yeah, I've been kind of building my library back up. I'm focusing on... I'm focusing on Wii U, 3DS, and Switch. Although Switch. my Wii U library has not really changed. Uh, there's only like five or six games that I don't have on Wii U that I would like to have. Um, so that library is kind of almost finished for me, at least. Okay. Uh, including Splatoon. I have Splatoon 1 on Wii U, which is also... I thought about going back and playing that campaign again as well. But I didn't. Awesome. So good, so good. Uh, Wii U, man, what a console! Uh, Should have bought one, we, everybody. Is it, wait till we get to the ranking of that one for breaking oh, Nintendo. Yeah. Um, but Ed, we have patron patrons to read off. Yes. Before we get into more uh, things here on the Boss Rush Network, remember, if you want to support the Boss Rush Network and Nintendo Power Block. Uh, directly, you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash network. Patreon is a monthly subscription-based service that you can uh, support your favorite creators directly. Uh, and we offer tiers uh, for specific subscriptions. We currently have two tiers right now. The $1 tier, which gets you early access to uh, Boss Rush podcast one week early, this show one week early, and two week early access to Standard Definition, our retro nostalgia podcast, which if you are listening to this on Nintendo Power Blocks podcast feed, you will notice that a few episodes have gone up already uh, for our ranking Nintendo series. Uh, we've been putting them on the Nintendo Power Block feed uh, just to kind of get eyes on that show a little bit because it's um, not one of our more popular shows uh so we just kind of want to get eyes on that show and then uh two weeks uh early access to boss rush after dark so you can get all that for just a dollar a month uh but if you want to be a patreon producer you can subscribe to our five dollar tier what does that mean it means you get early access to all of our shows plus a patreon producer credit shout out during this here episode and our other episodes of other podcasts um our patreon producers for this episode uh by the way we are recording this episode on july 8th uh 2022 so if you subscribe after that date uh, we will get to you on a future episode our patreon producers for this episode sorry i i know i need to clean up that description and everything uh We've gotten a few people asking what Patreon was, and so I'm kind of scrambling to describe it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll get to, I'll I'll get there, and we will uh, have it more streamlined in a week or two or twelve. I don't know whenever I can get to it. Anyways, Patreon producers, Ed, for this episode of Nintendo Power Block Expansion Pass are Quentin Jackson, Rebecca Jewell. Adriel Munger, my wife, Sana Dierig, and Francisco Santillian. So I want to thank all of our Patreon producers. I want to thank all of our patrons. And I want to thank all of our free listeners. Remember, all of our content remains free. We just, 
give you some perks for supporting us directly on Patreon. So thank you, everybody. Yes. Uh, again, if I am butchering your name at all during these uh, Patreon producer shoutouts, uh, DM me or the pa- or the Patreon directly and with a correct pronunciation, and I will fix it uh, within the coming weeks. Uh, I apologize if I am butchering anybody's name. Uh, I know I don't like that when people say my last name wrong, which happens often. Uh, and I don't want anybody else to be upset that I am not saying their name right. So I would rather be corrected than keep on saying that. Cause I, <laughs> I did that to Stoy for a while and, uh, he never corrected me and I felt so bad when somebody finally corrected me. So, uh, Aww. anyways, Ed, uh, let's talk about Nintendo some more. Thank you, yes. everybody, by the way, who listens. Uh, really do, we really do appreciate it. Yes. Uh, well, we're going to get into our final topic of this episode. Um, and uh, it was announced that E3 is coming back next year for 2023. Yeah. They're working with the people who help organize packs. Um, and and, and uh, I think Gamescom, I think. Uh uh nope Maybe. just just packs gamescom just packs. is gamescom is keely's thing oh, okay um so you know they're they plan on making it a bigger and better more organized show um so we don't know what that's always going to capitalize but uh we should see something next year and it got me thinking that i think nintendo is going to return to e3 uh, where we'll get uh, Treehouse, uh, we'll get still get the direct and everything, um, and then I think we'll still get like big areas for people to go in and play games. Um, but I kind of want to ask you, Corey, uh, before we get into the E3 conversation, um, I, I know a lot of us talked about the Summer Games Fest, and I know that's coming back next year. Um, but do you do you think that E3 has uh, or the ESA I should say had looked at this year's uh, Summer Game Fest and took notes to be like, okay, we we see that what people didn't like about the show, so we want to we want to make sure that we take the right steps that we do it right. Man, I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of of two minds of this where I think I think E3 needs to evolve. I really do. I think I think the way they've been doing things has been super archaic for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean for us it doesn't really make a difference because we don't go and we don't you know, I someday we might go. I'm not sure, but for us it doesn't change because we're still watching the press conferences live. You know, we're still watching uh, our favorite personalities uh, talk about it, and then we kind of go and talk about it at night, right? Like we we've still been doing that. We did that during Summer Game Fests and Xbox the Xbox Showcase. We did a Boss Rush Extra on it. So I mean, it doesn't really change for us. But I think in terms of just a an in person event, E three is super archaic, and I would really like to see them evolve in a way that makes sense. Um, I don't want it to be 
I don't want it to be like PAX because I think PAX is more fan driven and uh, more mm-hmm. exciting for fans who get to go because that's what it's for, right? It's for the cosplayers and the board game enthusiasts and the retro game collecting fans and people who are into indie games and, uh, you know, people who just want to see games that are coming, right? That we already know about, right? Like when I went, the Nintendo booth was packed full, right? And, uh, I got to play Wolfenstein two on the switch for the first time. I played crash bandicoot on the switch for the first time. That was the first time dead cells was revealed. And I got, I was, you know, playing dead cells before a lot of people uh because it was in nintendo's booth so pax is always great e3 is kind of different because it's always been a an industry first trade show Mm. uh i don't think the purpose that e3 serves is relevant in today's marketplace uh but i still think an industry event is necessary if that makes sense um, yes, I think like for for E3, I think they need to have like media days, maybe like the first two days where the after, you know, the press conferences and stuff, it should be like, obviously, the press conferences take place before the event technically. Uh, but you have the press conferences and then the first two days of the show are media days, and then maybe the last two days are fan days that are set up like packs, mm. uh, in a sense. But I think it makes sense for E3 to still be an industry event because it's a place where the industry can go, cover the new games, and uh, you know do their coverage and do whatever they need to do to get the information out to us. You know, we're we're still kind of enthusiasts. We're not journalists. We're not uh, big media outlets like IGN or Game Informer or uh, GameSpot. It's it's we're we're enthusiasts and we're fans, and that's like E three presentations and articles and stuff are how we get our information. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, I think E3 is still a fun thing to point at and say, hey, this is... I I mean, I've been awfully harsh on E3 the last few years sitting in this chair, but, like, as I think about it, I've kind of swung back the other way where I think E3 is... Even if it's just, like, a legacy thing, right, where... It's it's a it's a sign of goodwill towards gamers and the industry where it's a celebration, right? It's not it's not necessarily a um an uh where they're gonna sell games to these uh you know, to like Toys R Us or Circuit City or Best Buy, right? Yeah. It's not the nineties anymore, right? It's it's uh I think it should be set up as a celebration of games uh, where there's cool trailers and announcements and personalities there to kind of show off the stuff that's going on. And then fans can come in the last half of the show and then it's treated more like packs in a sense. Right. Uh, that's, 
that's kind of my idea of it. Ed, what what are your thoughts? I know I've kind of been rambling a little bit, and I no, know no, I know <laughs> I know I ramble when I'm tired because that's that's how I know I'm tired is because I just keep rambling. So please stop. No, me. I I think with so I I think after everybody getting to see how the Summer Games Fest event went, um, a lot of people were disappointed. Uh, about uh, a lot of the show stuff um, because they didn't really know what times and dates and who was going to be a part of it. Um, it just felt like there was a lot of talking um, with some things instead of them showing like actual gameplay. Um, and regardless of what people thought of or how they felt about Kitty and stuff, it just really felt like he didn't bring any excitement to it. Now, with E3, we're, you know, when we watch it, you know, it's the time that we're so used to making predictions and watching the shows and seeing who's going to be there and get revealed and everything. Um, We think of E3 now because of the digital presentations. We don't think about them uh, us going to actual E3 and participating because uh, it's about what games are being announced, what games are being shown, um, not what we're actually going to be playing. When it comes to Nintendo, after we see the direct and stuff, it's going to be what's going to be, what what are they talking about showing us at Treehouse Live that we don't know about? What is going to be new revealed on their final day of Treehouse Live? You know, they're still Nintendo treats E3 like, yeah, we're gonna give you this, we're gonna give you this, we're gonna display our games personally, and then we're gonna give you a surprise at the end of it. I think Nintendo, they just, you know, I think they're gonna be welcome back to E3. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Treehouse is such a big part of E3, right? Like, I mean, I know the direct kind of. <laughs> was the first step in kind of killing E3, but like their treehouse presentations have been a pretty big part of E3 for a while, right? We've gotten yeah. pretty major announcements in Treehouse, right? Uh a couple Pokemon games were shown off there. Metroid Samus Returns was shown off there, right? Like we've gotten some pretty decent uh announcements and demos from Treehouse. And so yeah, I sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just uh, no, no, no. wanted to throw that out there. You know, Breath of the Wild was, you know, obviously that was the one game they showed at E3 that one year and it was yeah. incredible. Like we got 10 hours of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> right. And like people were analyzing all of that to see what they could find. Mm-hmm. You know, uh th- that year that we was watching it and they an- announced Metroid Simmons Returns and we were just like, wait a minute, what the world is this? Yeah. Like and then like some even some arcade games like at the end of the show. I think there's that Donkey Kong one. And it was just like, wow, they they're still doing the announcements and stuff. Uh, and we're tuning in to see what they are going to show and get a better idea uh for it. Now and I I kinda agree with you. I think that there should be more days for the media coverage and interviews and then have it where it's a Friday, Saturday where um, the community could come in and experience those games and stuff. Um, it'd probably be a little bit more organized, have a little bit more systems out there. Uh, because I 
I think that was the thing with Summer Game Fest was that there was people who were, I guess, let down with a lot of the presentations, and they expected Nintendo to save it, in a sense. And I, I think that's always, for the past few years, it's been like that, that people are being upset or disappointed that everybody else's presentation hasn't been good enough for them. And so when Nintendo comes out, you know, people are surprised or people are laughing, thinking like, how can how, the Witcher 3 on Switch? And then it does the things that it does. You know, I think that's what people have kind of expected E3 to, to be. And, and, and it's very weird. I, I, I just don't understand why that mentality is, has happened, where it should be that, hey, we're, we should be celebrating all of this good stuff that is coming. Now, and I know I'm guilty of saying, uh, like, with this, like, with the Summer Game Fest, like, definitely for Microsoft, was just like, you guys got a great lineup of games coming, but we want dates. Um, you know, you, you told us about the power of your system. Well, I want to see more power from that system. And I, I feel like, personally, I can't see it because there's not enough games to give me that marketing power, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, Xbox has has i mean they obviously like their showcase said this these are the games you're going to be playing on the in the next 12 months and like i think you know whatever is happening on the back end of starfield is going to utilize the power because like i think we're at a point graphically where we're at diminishing returns at this point but like Mm -hmm. the things that it can do under the hood is like the things we can't see uh are what these these new consoles are primed for right like starfield uh, i mean again i don't know what a thousand different planets looks like in this game but uh that's kind of what they're flaunting there obviously forza motorsports looks super realistic i don't even understand how that game looks so good uh but you know i mean halo infinite is running on they've shown footage of it running on a base xbox one right and so not that it doesn't look great and and with features and stuff from the series X, but like still technically an Xbox one game gears five, technically an Xbox one game gears tactics, technically an Xbox one game, uh, you know, flights, flight simulator, super impressive tech. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but again, like I know it's doing a lot under the hood, but it still looks like an Xbox one game even though it, you know, is utilizing cloud power and a lot of the horsepower that the series X and S provide, right? Like it's, it's definitely using that, but like, it's not visually like, I mean, it's impressive, but it's not like it, it, it does. It didn't, it, you know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're just getting diminishing returns and I don't know how uh, much power is going to kind of, I just want, I want to see games that are utilizing these consoles, right? I, I I do. Like I I bought a Series X at launch, and I the only game that has been impressive to me is like playing Destiny at sixty frames a second instead of thirty, <laughs> right? I mean that's that's what I bought it for. To be fair, right? To play Destiny at four K and sixty frames a second instead of ten eighty P and thirty. Uh, 
I mean, I, I was, I'm pretty impressed by Outriders also with like the particle effects and the high frame rates and just, you know, those, those are the two games that I love on Xbox right now. And, uh, those games are Xbox one games and, and all, uh, you know, I didn't need to get a series X to play these games. I did because they're better. They run better and they load faster, but they're not necessary to play these games. Right. And I, and I kind of feel, and I'm not going to, I think if Xbox would have been like, here's a date, here's a day, here's a month, here's a, here's a month. This is what we got planned. Even, even if they changed it to be like, okay, at least I know now date wise what I could do. And I think I mean, they did Nintendo... say all these, they did say all the games they showed were going to be able to be played in the next 12 months, except for, I think two games. Well, which which is understandable, but I think with a lot of stuff that they showed that I guess been in development for such for such a long time, that it's it's one of those things that I just wish definitely for definitely for Microsoft that they were able to give us some dates so we could plan stuff out. I think it's a it's a planning thing, um, uh, with the because like with Switch. Um, you know, and definitely with PlayStation, they just announced that God of War is coming out November 9th. Ubisoft got Skull of Bones coming out November 8th. You know, at this point in time, Switch is literally packed for October because of what they what they show with their direct. And in past E3s, when we got uh, some official dates. And some days that did get pushed, we knew that, okay, they're stacking games for this month. They're stacking games for this month. You know, um, that's part of the importance of E3, is that we're seeing what we're going to get. And I think that matters to Nintendo to be like, okay, we guys, we did the announcements, we showed you the games, we got stuff running out more for you to check out before we release it. You know, and I think that's the thing that we kind of want from E3 uh, for for anyone who participates with it and everything. You know, we don't get we're not confused on what day uh, if this this thing is going to happen. And then four days later, this next thing, you know, we kind of get understand Microsoft is on Sunday with Ubisoft or or Bethesda Monday. Here go some of the third party Tuesday. Here go Nintendo. It's, it's set, it's concise. We get, get to see it, we get to make our content and be done with it. You know, nothing is, is spread out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Nintendo has been so integral to all aspects of E3. Like, I mean, we've talked about it before where it's like they literally kind of owned E3 for a long time and then when they started Nintendo Directs, that was kind of like the first you know kick kick the door down sorry everybody my son's crying but uh you know it's it's definitely they're the ones that kind of started the revolution against e3 in in respect with the directs right like i mean i know nintendo is so so and they they want to control their message right they want to control the message and Mm -hmm. I mean, we we saw enough E3 demos that failed or things go wrong, right? The Skyward Sword demo is infamous for that. Uh, 
and obviously like PlayStation had that Uncharted demo that they had to reset because it wasn't working. And what better way to do it than a curated, uh, edited with a fine tooth comb kind of video, right? The directs are yeah. so important. Look how many people have copied it since then, right? We have State of Play, we have Inside Xbox, we have Ubisoft Connect, we have whatever Stadia was doing, right? Like, there, everybody is copying this formula. Yeah, and I think it's it's such a quick hit that we we do get these multiple games and it's for us when it comes to Nintendo E3 it's literally the unexpected you know near Automata yeah that's being ported by Virtuoso uh but I can't believe that's being put on the switch you know um when when uh we seen like Doom and some of these other games that get ported on last year I no, uh, 2019, we saw of Dragoon uh, remake happening on Switch. Like, that was so out of the box. And I think what makes that so good for Nintendo is that, yeah, we get some stuff that we know, some out-of-the-box stuff, but then it's the dates. It's the timing of what is getting revealed. They don't stick on too long for it. It's not a cutscene. This is what they're actually working on, and they're going to deliver. So you can't say that well, I don't know how what I'm getting out of the game. No, Nintendo showed you guys what you're going to get out of the game. And if you stick with it later on throughout the year before it comes out, you're going to see more revealed to it. You know, and I think yeah. Nintendo just got such a strong formula on how to execute it where it, it gets, I think it gets a little bit confusing on why can't everybody else execute on that level. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, like we 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 kind of talked about the directs and how important they've been to the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Also kind of taking away from E3, but also like you turn around and I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but like more in depth, like Treehouse is so essential to the E3 experience, right? Like Yes. And I think that's I think that's where Nintendo is like we're going to have our cake and eat it too, right? Where, okay, yeah, maybe we're not doing a big stage presentation, but we are showing off some of the games at Treehouse, and we are demoing them. Maybe not to people or the industry, but this is this we have our, you know, team of people who are knowledgeable about the game, maybe a developer, maybe uh, interviews with, you know, uh, Anuma or or Miyamoto or you know somebody else the Splatoon team like I I would I would have been if E3 happened I bet there would have been a big Splatoon treehouse event right mm-hmm. Splatoon 3 like that seems like a no brainer um so yeah I mean I think I think Nintendo is just evolving the way they market their stuff and really controlling their brand and they've always been that way and I think this you know as much as we kind of make fun of Nintendo being backwards in a lot of ways, right? Still using cartridges, their online functionality is poor. Uh, their store needs a redesign. The way they they market their message has always been forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you know, I think I think they've evolved the way people have thought about E three and conferences in general. And I think that's a good thing. And 
to bring it back around to E3, I think E3 needs to... I, I think they need to evolve in the way that Nintendo has evolved their marketing, you know? Like, okay, well, obviously these companies are doing their big presentations, but I think we need to celebrate their gameplay demos. We need to... And maybe, like, they, the demos and stuff are different from Nintendo, right? Because Nintendo kind of uses their own staff to demo these games. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, obviously they have a booth where people can check them out, but, like, what's featured on Treehouse is their own staff. Maybe E E three and like they try to convince these companies, hey, bring your demos. We're gonna try to do something interesting and curated to show them off on you know something, right? I because like I think at the end of the day, as much as we kind of point to E three, I think I think Keeley's events are gonna take over whether people agree or like it or not. Like I think I think Summer Game Fest is headed in the right direction. Granted, this year was, you know, a lack of games because the industry is still kind of pulling out of the COVID stuff and uh, people are delaying games and stuff like that. But, like, I think the Keeley stuff is the right idea. But also, I think the Keeley stuff is just a small evolution of a Nintendo Direct. Wait, and, and I'm not mad about uh, Keeley stuff. I'm not either. About it. I, I, I think... I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I think no. I think with Keeley stuff is that it feels lifeless, uh, and I, I don't... and I think I, I think the lifeless comes from when Keeley comes on and starts speaking uh, on Suvi, and so it is that it's a little bit lifeless in that part. And then when they bring on people, they don't even seem like you know excited about it. Like you, well, I think oh, I think I think that. I, I don't think that it's lifeless. I just feel like I feel like Keeley kind of has just this one note kind of personality almost, and it doesn't come across as excitement. Mm-hmm. And then you get you either bring on a marketing person who's trying to sell you the game or a developer who's not used to talking in front of a camera and on a stage with people, right? I think that's like where the E3 stuff kind of you know why Nintendo took the direct approach also is like you don't have timid develop developers up there like not knowing what to say or not knowing how to market their game and sometimes it's endearing mm-hmm. right like we we always point to the Mario Rabbids uh director right and how emotional he got when he got to make a Mario game and they showed him in the audience right like that was super yeah. endearing and uh really nice to see some emotion come from someone but like also, when EA trots out these Ubisoft or these EA originals people, right, where they're just a small indie developer and they don't, you know, some of them don't know how to talk in front of people, right? Like, remember the Unraveled, the guy that did Unraveled? I was so uncomfortable for him. Yeah. Um, And, th- and then you have the off chance of getting someone like Joseph Ferris, who's just like, you know. Oh, goodness. He, like his personality for me is off-putting you know i I, and i get he he's probably like a nice guy he he makes you know good games and he knows how to market it himself and a big personality will always sell a game no matter what and i get that but like his personality is kind of off-putting to me in a lot of ways and uh you know and nintendo just i think nintendo just wants to avoid all of that and 
again, it comes down to controlling the message, controlling mm-hmm. what you're showing, who's showing it, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of what I have to say about that. Yeah, and that, I, and my last thing about just like with Kitty, I think it's yes, you're seeing you know you're seeing them send you these games, but once again you have a diversity problem. It's not these. It's not diverse enough for different genre of gamers or games out there for different gamers, because I'm like, you know, it. Of course, this year the problem was so many space games. Well, yeah, we got a lot of space games, but we really don't know. Besides the uh, Callisto project, we don't know what the other four games are. They all look like first person, maybe first person shooters, or survival horror, or uh, walking simulator. We don't know them. But Kitty should have said, you know what? Okay, uh, Callisto product protocol. I like where you guys are going, um, but I'm going to hold off to you. I think these other games may be interesting. Like, show stuff, I think... Yeah, but sh- that, at the end of the day, like, you have these big games like Callisto Protocol, and, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, Keeley's trying to run a business, mm-hmm. and the big games are going to sell the business, and... E3 also is trying to run a business or, you know, mm-hmm. ESA is trying to run a business and E3 is their cash cow and they need to figure out how to run their business. And that's at the end of the day, it's about running a business. I think a lot of people just lose sight that like people aren't making these games for free. They are running businesses and yeah, it's a weird s- section of people creating art mixed with business decisions, but that's the reality in the world we live in. And I think that these uh, conferences are feeling the effects of what this industry truly is. And uh, I feel bad to an extent. Yeah. But, well, everybody, that's going to be it for Nintendo Expansion Pass. Um, Thank you, Corey, for joining me on this topic. Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter at ThatRetroCode and check out Nintendo PowerBlock on Mondays and the recorded shows in audio on Wednesdays. And, and yeah, check me out also on bossfish.net and on our Discord. Corey, where can we find you? You can find me at I am Corey in HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Nintendo Power Block on the Boss Rush Podcast and various other things here on the Boss Rush Network. Yes, and you can go to our website and check out our merch store and be able to find our Patreon. One dollar will give you early access, but five dollars we get you a producer shout out. You know, help us produce some content here on BossRush.net. With that, everybody, have a great week, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time on Nintendo Expansion Pass. Bye, everybody. Bye.